Grassroots Community Network is now available to podcast. Enjoy all your favorite programming, whether you are making the commute to or from work, enjoying a jog through the mountains, or just hanging around the house. And don't forget that Grassroots offers over 4,000 shows on demand on our webpage, www.grassrootstv.org. Simply use the search tool in the upper right corner to locate your content. There are many ways to connect with your community. For podcasts, visit our homepage on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. All direct links, including a direct link to subscribe to our RSS feed, can be found under the search bar on our homepage. And remember, you are Grassroots Community Network. Please consider contributing by visiting our website at www.grassrootstv.org or by calling us at 970-925-8000. Thank you. I'm Glenda Greenwald, and I want to welcome you to our sixth annual Aspen Brain Lab. I'm really very proud to be presenting our Aspen Brain Lab program today because, as you know, unraveling the mysteries of the brain is now a national and global priority. And here we are in Aspen with our growing community of 21st century global seekers. And we're gonna look at a lot of the mysteries of the brain today, but we're gonna have a lot of fun too. Um, I want to do several thank yous first. And I wanna thank some of our sponsors. One of our great sponsors, who is actually more of a partner, our Access Circles, are Carolee and Lynn here, I just can't see from here. They're not here. So let me thank all of the Access Circle people in any case, because for uh, six years now, they have brought 50 to 60 sparkling entrepreneurs and power women to support Aspen Brain Lab every year. And I not only thank them, I laud them for their new initiative of trying to push forward very special research on women's health and talking about gender differences uh, up to now, we have not used women to study any kind of pharma and uh, drug research. And we need now to use female mice and females uh, to study women's health. And I think some of the top women in women's health research are with us today. So welcome, all of you. Uh, another sponsor is Alpine Bank. Mary Ryerson, are you here? Yeah. I think you are. Alpine Bank, which has banks all over Colorado, is the most community-minded bank and, and one of the most community-minded business uh, folks in Colorado, and they have supported us every year. Thank you, Mary. Um, and then I want to thank a new sponsor, which is Us Against Alzheimer's, and George Vradenberg, who is the founder and president. 
And you will see him later, or you will hear him later as a moderator and speaker on the deep dive uh, against Alzheimer's, the, uh, into the end of Alzheimer's. Thank you, George, very much. Um, next, I want to thank the Aspen Brain Institute board. Can you just raise your hand if you're an Aspen Brain Institute board member? Thank you all for coming. Thank you for supporting and funding all of our three major programs, especially Aspen Brain Lab at the moment. And you will hear more from them as they will be introducing some of our speakers. So thank you for this beautiful board that I'm honored to have. Um, Shanta Heath, Shanta, are you around? Shanta. Shanta's our project director of Aspen Brain Lab. We couldn't, she does this whole thing. We couldn't do it without her, so please Woo! give her a round of applause. I want to thank all the volunteers who are helping us. They have staff written on their shirts, and you can ask them any questions, and please do, because things might get complicated later. Um, I also want to thank the HS Squared kids for coming. They are high school kids from all over the country who are highly STEM talented, STEM meaning science, technology, engineering, and math. They're highly STEM talented. They're here for an intensive summer program and uh, to get that we give them and to get them into the best colleges in the US. Would you all stand up, the HS Squared kids? Then I want to thank all the nonprofit groups who have display tables outside. They're all helping us with our body and mind health. And I want to give, thank you very much. I want to give a special shout out to the Aspen Valley Hospital Head Trauma Unit. They give us free bicycle helmets every year. And now they are free and they are generous to us but they are for people that really need them. So please uh, go outside, talk to them about concussion, the need for helmets, and please take a helmet if they have one uh, left, and, but make sure that, it's, that you really need one. Thanks. Um, now, my most heartfelt thanks go to the doctors and scientists and presenters that are here with us today because they've come from near and far, and in this case, from very long. Several of our doctors and presenters had to take the long ride from uh, Denver to get here today, but I think everybody made it, so thank you very much. Um, um, they, um, the, the presenters here today are really our force multipliers. Now that's a kind of weird phrase, but uh, they are giving us their, all of their research and their wisdom at the same time. And as I thought about why they're so important to us, I also thought why it's so important that Aspen Brain Lab convenes such a large group to hear all of our experts. And I found this quote that just explains it, at least for me. 
um, if I can find it. Uh, every, every gain in technology demands minds and brains that are capable of accommodating the change. And the changed minds and brains go out and reshape the world even more. So that's all of our job, that's their job, and it's all of our job. We're going out to reshape the world even more. Um, now just a few notes and then we'll begin. I wanna tell you about our tiny program books. Do any of you see the little program books? So everybody, all the speakers, Gave us, gave us lengthy bios that were more like memoirs for their grandchildren. So, um, so we put all the bios online. And you're welcome to look at your electronic devices, but please keep the ringer off. <coughs> we'll have a healthy breakfast brain break at 10.30. You can look forward to that. We'll be trying to feed 250 people in about a half hour. You're welcome to bring your food back here and eat at the tables, but just be mindful of the time when that happens. And now we can get started. I have a real quick intro for the creative brain. We usually uh, separate our talks into creative brain, healthy brain, future brain, and in the afternoon, we'll do impaired brain talking about Alzheimer's. So creativity, there's not an app for that. We're going to start on creative brain. Um, there's an entire science about creative brain called the neurobiology of creativity. Uh, it's often a study of dopamine, a brain chemical that's certainly one of the mothers of creative invention. On my inbox or on my phone, I read every day about mind-blowing innovations and inventions. And they're all examples of creative brain in my mind. And so let's look at a few of the examples of creative brain that we have with us here today. Let's start by Laura Welch, one of our board members, coming to introduce our first speaker. Thank you. Hi, I'm Laura Welch, and I'm a board member of Aspen Brain Institute, and I am a mountain climber and fellow adventurer, so the, making this introduction is exciting for me. I am introducing Scott Carney, who's an investigative journalist and anthropologist, and he's worked in some of the most dangerous corners of the world. His work blends narrative nonfiction with ethnography. Currently is a senior fellow at the Schuster Institute for Investigative Journalism and a 2016 Scripps Fellow at the Center for Environmental Journalism in Boulder. His books include the New York Times bestseller, What Doesn't Kill You, as well as The Red Market and The Enlightenment Trap. Carney was a contributing editor at Wired and his writings have also appeared in Mother Jones, Men's Journal, Playboy, with his shirt off, just to name a few. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce James Carney, or Scott Carney, sorry. Thank you. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me here. Uh, again, I'm Scott Carney, investigative journalist, uh, and I think I want to start by 
with a little video about uh, what this project has entailed, um, the book called What Doesn't Kill Us. Um, so could we just run that first? I traveled to Poland to expose a charlatan, a prophet who claimed he could give ordinary people superpowers. He said he could control his body temperature at will, hijack his immune system, and conquer the world's tallest mountains with no cold weather gear. I'd built my career as an investigative journalist debunking people like him. But to prove he was a liar or a madman, I had to try his method. I'm not an athlete, I'm not exceptional, but I found a power that I never knew humans had. I hiked to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro without a shirt. I sat on the snowy bank of a river until the ice melted around me. I trained with top athletes. I crossed the finish line of the world's most notorious cold weather obstacle course race, wearing nothing but shorts and a smile. I could do 80 push-ups on a single breath, and I lost seven pounds of fat in seven days. If I can do it, anyone can. Sometimes people need video and photos to understand exactly what I'm talking about, because a lot of it sounds frankly unbelievable. Uh, and back in 2011, when I heard about this guy named Wim Hof sitting on an iceberg uh, somewhere north of the Arctic Circle, I had been an investigative journalist for about 10 years. My first book was about organ trafficking. Uh, my second book was about how meditation and intensive spiritual pursuits can kill you or drive you mad. And I'd been following these charlatan gurus around the world and just finding time and time again, people who are promising you superpowers are liars and charlatans and they're out there uh, after your money. So when I heard about this guy, he said, that you could sit on an iceberg and control your body temperature. He said that you could control your immune system with the power of your mind, and I was like, bullshit. <laughs> like, there's no way. And so I uh, got a commission from Playboy, and I flew out there with the intention of debunking this guy, to say, look, you're, you know, promising something which is just too big, and it's pretty likely you're gonna get people killed because who can do that, right? Uh, so I flew to Poland, and I had been living in Los Angeles um, right before this, and before that I'd been living in India, so I am a warm weather guy. I like palm trees, I like beaches, and I hate that stuff that he's sitting on. And so, got, got off at Poland, um, in a city called Roklaw, and I, he meets me at the airport gate. And he's this sort of shortish, ruddy-looking guy with a big bulbous nose and a little pointy hat that makes him look like a garden gnome. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is gonna be the easiest assignment of my life. 
And uh, he greets me with his, you know, big smile, open-hearted, and he says, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And he's like, and I know you're going to try to, like, ruin me. <laughs> and, and at this point, Wim Hof is a nobody, right? He's got, it's 2011, uh, January, and uh, he has, uh, he's running this big training program that he was sure was going to fill up, and there were, it was me and two other guys, one guy from Latvia, one guy from Croatia, and, uh, and they were very excited about him, and I was like, this guy's crazy. So we drive out into the, into the mountains, and uh, we get to this tiny, dilapidated farmhouse in the mountains, and, uh, and the first thing I see is this dude standing in a snowbank, throwing snow on himself, and there's steam coming off of him. And I'm like, one, that's crazy, and I don't want to do that. And two, how is that possible? Steam? What, what's going on here? And I sit with Wim that, that night, and, and so there's this thing that anthropologists and journalists struggle with, which is if you're going to go report on something, if you're going to go out there and try to understand something, you can do it as an observer and sit on the outside and try to be clinical about it and say, you know, these people are doing this method and it seems very interesting, or you can jump in. And I'm the sort of guy who jumps in. And even though I think that he's probably a charlatan trying to take advantage of people, I'm still going to give him a fair shot. That's just sort of the rules that I abide by. So the next morning, after hanging out with him for an evening, uh, we start the training process. And we'll get into the training a little bit later, exactly what it entails. Uh, but one of the things you do is stand out in the snow. And he's like, it's going to hurt when you stand in the snow. And I'm like, great, that's terrible, because cold is especially bad for me, right? All of you are thinking the same thing. Everyone in this room is thinking, cold's really bad for me, personally. And, and I stood in the snow, uh, first time ever, and I stand in it, and my feet hurt. It feels like I'm walking on coals, because the, my feet, for the very first time, have felt a, a, an environmental experience that they'd never felt before, called vasoconstriction. Uh, but his method over the next week, does pretty miraculous things. <laughs> it's really straightforward. Uh, there's two things that you do. One is you learn to, uh, is his breathing method, which is uh, essentially hyperventilation, <gasps> followed by an exhale, <sighs> and you hold it. You do that three or four times. And you hold it first time a minute, second time maybe two minutes, Maybe the third time you're holding it for three minutes. Maybe you get to five. Maybe you get to two, and that's all you can do. That's fine. But you're, you're trying to push that gasp reflex back. Uh, and there's metabolic reasons for why this works that you can totally read the book for why it does. But surprisingly, it works. And not only that, after doing three or four of these times, he says, hey, do push-ups. Exhale fully. You're, you're super oxygenated now. You've blown off all the CO2 out of your system. <sighs> Exhale and do push-ups. And I could, at this point, I could do 20 push-ups. I knew that. But I did this, and I, without breathing, with empty lungs, I did 40 push-ups, and they felt easy. So something was going on here that was really weird. The second thing you do is you get in the snow. You get into that stressful response like this. And instead of clenching up and shivering, you relax. Because you're programming. All of the things in your body are telling you, clench up, fight this response with everything you have. And that's what we call a sympathetic nervous system response. Your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight response. You see a tiger, that's your sympathetic nervous system. You know, not in the zoo, but like in front of you. 
Okay, that's your sympathetic nervous system firing. That's your adrenaline uh, going crazy, giving you that boost of speed to get eaten by the tiger a little bit later. And, and what we're doing here is in the snow, you trigger that same response. But now you're telling yourself, okay, I'm gonna switch this response, I'm going to relax. And your body doesn't want to die, right? Your body doesn't, want, doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna give up on life right now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's over. What happens is you've denied it the sympathetic way to heat yourself, which is shivering. And now you're switched over to a metabolic program. You're burning fat, literally, and transforming that into heat energy. And it's amazing. It's, you, can, you can learn this in like 15 minutes. You can learn this in your shower, um, believe it or not. And, and that's, you know, in a way, that's all there is to it. And you can do some pretty cool things. After six months of training, uh, doing this constantly every day, um, and also doing things like running uh, three, three or four miles uh, throughout the winter in Denver, uh, so not extremely cold, but here I am just in shorts, uh, I ended up climbing Mount Kilimanjaro uh, in that outfit. That's, that's Wim next to me. <laughs> so why does this work? Right? What is it behind this that is working? Remember, I'm the guy who says that meditation will kill you, right? I, I am not the, the, the hippie pranas coming from heaven and filling up my chakras, dude. Uh, uh, those guys are fine, but that's not my thing. Why is it that I was able to, in just the course of a week, radically transform my interaction with the environment? Well, it turns out there's evolutionary principles. These are not superpowers. These are human powers. Now, our species has been around for, I mean, depending on what archaeologists you talk to, between 200,000 and 400,000 years. Now, in that time, our species, that means Homo sapiens, you guys, um, dealt with extreme variations in heat and cold. It doesn't matter if you're talking in the um, Sahara, right? Even in the, 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 what we consider a hot environment, you're going up to 110 degrees in the day and you're dropping down to 50 degrees at night. And they incidentally didn't have central heating back then, right? They incidentally didn't have air conditioning. What they had was their biology to deal with the changing environmental norms. Now, what has happened only in the last 150, years, 100 years, is that we have taken out that constant of variation in our environment and factored it out. We have become creatures of comfort. We have become totally ad addicted to the fact that our, we don't want our bodies to do any work. But that is not what we evolved for. And so what looks like it's crazy is actually just something that we have. We are the descendants of evolutionary winners and all of this is something that you can activate. And really fascinating is that it doesn't take a lot of time to do. Because we're evolutionary winners, um, it wasn't like our distant ancestors saw a snowstorm on the horizon. It was like, okay, I'll get ready next month. It'll be fine, right? What happens is that these changes to your metabolism uh, are survival-based, and you have to enact them quickly, which is why in one week I was able to perform those pretty drastic and amazing feats. Now. There's an entire hidden biology in your body. Uh, if you, 
uh, you have about 60,000 miles of tubing. And along that tubing, and, and there's a lot of biology that I, I'm not going to be able to get into because we don't have time, but we're just going to look at one. It's called vasoconstriction. Now, when I jumped in that snow, the first thing I felt was pain. And, and one of the reasons for that pain is that there's um, these, these muscles called smooth muscle on all of your arteries. Uh, which constrict in a life-threatening uh, situation like cold and to shut blood to your core. This is a basic mammalian response. Your, your cat has this, probably. But you cannot control vasoconstriction consciously. Well, at least not very easily. You need that environmental stimulus to trigger that response. And if you've never done it before, you're not actually using your biology. So what we need to think about here is that all of this, the environmental stimulus that come to you is, uh, is important for human health. Now, we usually think about human health in two ways, right? It's the food you eat and the way your body expends that energy through running or whatever else, right? This is like every diet plan ever, right? How do you get in shape? You eat the right stuff and you do the right things. Uh, to optimize your, you know, your, the way you work. But there's a third pillar of human health that we are just generally not conscious of, which is the environmental stimulus that's coming to you right now. You're all sitting in an air-conditioned room somewhere in Aspen, right? Outside, it's actually sort of sweltering hot. Um, why do we come for, to a totally comfortable room where we can wear really whatever we want on the inside and feel comfortable? That comfort is an addiction that we all have and that we've all grown very accustomed to but that is not in any of the indigenous traditions in the world. So I want you to think about that. Um, if you jump into the cold, I mean, I said I lost seven pounds of fat in seven days. Uh, my book is not a diet book, <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> Go tell Oprah. Actually, some of you guys might know Oprah, so please do tell Oprah. Uh, <laughs> So the, underground, um, the, the, the main concept in this book isn't just about cold and heat and breathing, right? The real concept here is the environment, and it's a concept that I call the wedge. And this is when we use an environmental stimulus to trigger a predictable reaction in our environment, and then using your intentions, so before you get into that environment, to redirect that response to either a parasympathetic or sympathetic pathway. Now, I know that's a big mouthful of words that I just threw at you, but let's, let me break it down. Let's say you have to sneeze, okay? We, we can all know what sneezing feels like, right? It's this, and it's sort of like it's painful, it's sort of, sort of fun when it actually happens, right? But we know that process. Now, if you say to yourself, I don't want to sneeze. I'm going to stop sneezing right now. You can go like this. You can go, and you can let it go. And that is the essence of the wedge. It's using that response that comes in and then stopping it from happening. Now, this gives you some control over this, this system in your body that you actually shouldn't have control over. The autonomic nervous system should not be hackable in that way, but it is. And it works not just with a sneeze, because honestly, there's no reason to control sneezing. It's fun, right? <laughs> But it is something that you can, um, you can intervene with. And it also works in cold, it works in heat, it works in uh, anything where you have a sensation that comes in from the environment. Um, you know, it could work with uh, delaying an orgasm. You could do it that way. It could work with um, 
you know, uh, with sleep. And we're gonna have some yoga nidra um, talks a little bit later today. Now, the way I look at it, the wedge breaks in two different ways. And, and uh, Jamie Wheel is gonna be talking about flow a little bit later. So that's really, we're gonna get, uh, dive down into that a lot deeper. Now, the wedge is this concept, is where you have this autonomic response and you can choose how to deal with it. And when you jump into a cold shower, let's say, your instinct is to go, uh, and that's grit. That's power, that's force. That is what Americans are really good at. We really love grit, we love that tough guy thing, okay? And you can get some control over your autonomic nervous system when you do this. You know, you're trudging through a desert, sometimes you need the grit to get through or else you're gonna get killed. But there's this other side too, where you also have control over your nervous systems where you relax and you say, instead of fighting that stimulus that's coming from the outside world, I can go with it, I can use it. I can say, this thing that I'm experiencing isn't pain, this thing I'm experiencing is joy. This is fun. And right, there's this mental switch. And you know, when I ran that cold weather obstacle course race and when other people were in wetsuits and neoprene and out there for hours and hours of time on the field, I was in a bathing suit and I was saying, oh my God, that pain on my skin, that's the sensation of joy. And that transformed for me into the actual metabolic change of heat. And I was also really happy. So, I, how does this work? Now I'm gonna get into, I only have two minutes left, so I'm gonna give you a very quick primer on how you get information into your system. When I'm feeling cold, that sensation enters my body as volume. It's like this, this, just this sensation that comes in, my, but my brain hasn't yet processed it. And it comes in to the lowest areas of the brainstem simply as like sensation, but it doesn't mean anything. And then what happens is that sensation um, goes from the paralimbic system, where it's just sensation, to the limbic system, where we combine that with an emotional response, where that cold now becomes, um, you know, pain, oftentimes. And, and where it makes that symbol, where it defines that happening, is when you, uh, it, it creates that symbol out of your emotional state at the time that you are feeling this thing. And the next time you feel that same sensation, your body doesn't reinterpret that stimulus. What it does is it goes back to the symbol that you've created neurologically in your mind and reacts to that because it's sort of lazy. It doesn't want to create the new information. And so with the wedge, what you do is you say, you tell yourself intentionally, right now as I'm entering into this stressful stimulus, I will reinterpret that stimulus in my new emotional state. I will give it a different emotional valence, which gives you amazing resilience. Uh, and now this will not make you Superman. You're not gonna be able to, you know, I can, you can hike up to the top of Kilimanjaro in a bathing suit, but you cannot be ejected into space. Uh, so, so take that in mind. Uh, in the battle of nature versus man, uh, nature always wins. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about in this. This also radically changes your immune system. Um, the, and we don't have time to get into it, but what has happened with the people who are following this method, because they're more environmentally sound, they're also seeing remission in things like Crohn's disease, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, they're, see, they're managing Parkinson's, and uh, it's truly amazing. I, I suggest you check out the book. Um, there's a really cool shirtless dude on the front, it's not me. Um, and the other thing you can start doing right now is taking cold showers. Take a cold shower in the morning and relax in it. This is your introduction to your nervous system and uh, learn from those sensations and, and interpret that as joy and happiness.
Uh, if you want to learn out anything more, my name's Scott Carney, scottcarney.com, SG Carney everywhere. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. <clears throat> Hello. Hi, guys. After reading Scott's book, after reading Scott's book and uh, uh, hearing and thinking all about the cold thing, I got as far as when I have my hair washed at the beauty shop and they say, do you want a cold rinse? I now say yes, but I say, no fear, joy. And it's beautiful, it works. And I've gotten as far as cold showers, like fingers, toes. Anyway, we're all going to try this. And one day, Scott, I really would love you to uh, do a workshop with us and teach us all how to find joy in the ice cold therapy. Um, one year, we had too many videos. And this year, we're only having, I don't count Scott's video, because that's part of his presentation. And we're, we're looking in the segment of creative brain. I thought that uh, Wim Hof method and Scott's response to it is really terrific examples of creative brain. Let's go on to one more good creative brain. Karen Anderko, going to introduce Cheryl. Thank you. Hi there. I'm Karen Anderko. I'm a Aspen Brain Institute board member and the, the director of research and education at Integrated Listening Systems. It's a neuroplastic therapy company. I'm so excited to uh, introduce our next speaker, Cheryl Bartow. She's a public relations executive who's gone back to her farming roots and her lifelong love of horses to create a nonprofit that's helping people with autism and veterans with PTSD. She co-founded the Smiling Goat farm, Smiling Goat Ranch in Carbondale, to share the horse boy method, which is an equine therapy that's based, rooted in science and in love. She and her volunteer team of patient and empathetic humans and animals celebrate neurodiversity and the therapeutic benefits of being in nature. Her natural and inclusive sensibility appeals to me, and I know that her work will be compelling as you listen to it. Please welcome Cheryl Bartow. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. One other little piece, part of my introduction, I am an autism mom as well. I'm really excited to be here and share our work with you. I really wish I had one of my horses up here with me, but I think he might break the stage. He's pretty large. Um, and then I thought maybe we could take him out back into the lawn and we could actually do a sensory work demonstration for you. But I, instead, we're only 25 miles from here. You'll have to come down and visit us and, and meet our equine team for yourself. 
As I said, we're located in Carbondale, Colorado, and we implement the horseboy method and the movement method. And it's the only equine therapy that really works for the brain and the nervous system. Horseboy was devised by autists and neuroscientists in Europe and the USA. There are now tens of thousands of families who benefit from the Horseboy Method, and we are in 20 countries. When I started this three years ago, we were in seven. So it's super exciting. We are the first location in Colorado, and we just expanded to the United States Air Force Academy Equestrian Center. And guess what? Our program works for veterans with PTSD as well as folks with autism. So we're really excited that's just kicked off there uh, this year. And uh, we help not only autism, but ADD, ADHD, anything really on the neurosensory issue. Um, the whole premise of this is based on a father who had a severely autistic son and realized that when he put his son on the back of a horse, his son stopped having the autistic temper tantrums. So we're gonna take a little look at an excerpt from the movie. Chris, if you could play this now. Thank you. In April 2004, my son Rowan was diagnosed with autism. The feeling was like being hit across the face with a baseball bat. Our lives became clogged under a mountain of conflicting information on the disorder. We tried everything. He didn't speak to us. One day, he ran away from me and ran right up to a horse called Betsy. The moment I put Rowan on Betsy's back, he began to speak. He's a nice horse. As Rowan began to open up to me for the first time, a light bulb went on in my head. Was there a place on earth that combined healing with horses? Mongolia. This is a story about how, as a family, we did something crazy. How we ended up going halfway across the world in search of a miracle. I think it wasn't exactly Ron's vision of Mongolia. We're going to go up a several thousand foot mountain and perform a four hour ritual with shamans. Isn't that what all families do? Sometimes I think he's like leaping forward and sometimes it's like he's totally regressive. <laughs> I couldn't help wondering, did I really have his best interest at heart here? I don't know how useful it is to think of us as normal and Rowan as the thick one. Rowan began laughing, giggling. We were together again as a family. listen to what interested him above all else. We're onto something good here.
So now you have a sense how this journey started. After this journey, Rupert thought to himself, well, if this works for my son, and there's so many children being diagnosed with autism, could it work for other children? So he decided that he would chat with some folks who are on the autism spectrum. And one of the most famous people on the autism spectrum is Dr. Temple Grandin. I'm sure many of you have, have heard of Temple. She is a professor in animal science at CSU. And if you've ever hung out with Temple, she's, she's pretty autistic, but she has an amazing public persona. So Rupert consulted with her, also having uh, the experience with his own son. And she said there were a couple things you should do. Number one is follow the child. Follow them intellectually, follow them emotionally, follow them physically. So that means if they're a runner, you are running with them. And do it in nature and let them move. So I wanted to pose a question to the group and ask you, what's your single most important educational experience? And I know that's a big question, and I think uh, Scott could answer that pretty easily with what he just showed us. Anybody have anything they'd, they'd like to share? Say that again, Mary? The chat, okay, the French chat, the Picking County Library. I know for me, if I look back, it's a lot of experiential moments and it's not sitting behind a desk having a, a teacher talking to you. Last year, I um, had an interesting experience while we were delivering services to veterans with PTSD. And we had an art therapist on site and she opened up what we were doing to the volunteers on the site. And, and I'm somebody who likes to plan and control and I'm thinking, wow, I'm feeling moved to do this. And it was a moment where I felt like I had a breakthrough of not following a plan and uh, realized that something really good could, could come out of it. So what, now what I wanna do is, before I get into the theory of Horseboy, is have a little fun with everybody. So what I'd like to do is ask you to all stand up if you are able. Okay, and now we're gonna just jog in place a little bit. I was gonna do 20 seconds, maybe we'll just do 10. <laughs> We're gonna get the energy moving. I don't have the fun music that Gina had, but <laughs> maybe I should have Gina singing with me up here. Okay. Okay, now we can stop. And what I'd like to do, usually I divide the room in half and have you split to either side, but just because we have some space constraints, we're gonna make some adjustments here. So. Find a partner, your neighbor. It doesn't need to be anybody you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now what I'd like you to do is just back up a couple steps from each other. And now I'm going to teach you something while you are moving, 
okay? So the first thing you're gonna do, you're gonna walk towards your partner and you're going to give them a high five. Awesome, great, great job. Okay, now you're gonna walk towards your partner, give them a high five and clap. Okay, and now you're gonna back up and we're gonna start learning a new song. Some of you might know this, I don't know, and I cannot sing, so um, forgive me for my voice here, but as you're walking, I'm gonna shout out the first phrase of the song. You're gonna do your clap, high five, and then you're going to back up and repeat that phrase of the song to me. And we're gonna go through the song, okay? Bear with me. All right, so walk towards each other, and here is the song. 50 Nifty United States. Okay, now go forward. From 13 original colonies. This is awesome, okay. 50 Nifty stars in the flag. The billow so beautifully in the breeze. <laughs> okay, you ready to take it from the top? Let's try, let's try, ready? And keep moving, we're gonna go forward and back. Ready? 50, 50 United States from the 13 original colonies. 50 stars in the flag that billows so beautifully in the breeze. Yay! <laughs> okay, now I want everybody to look at each other. Do you see so many smiles? Yes? And do you see open body language? People relaxing. Okay, so now you are ready to learn. Okay. So now you can, you can sit down. You can sit down. And we'll take a look quickly here at the neuroscience and, and, and how this works. Um, and, and all you scientists here uh, will understand this in much greater detail than I do. I just know that I know this works. So folks on the autism spectrum Temple tells us have really overactive amygdalas and they're flooded with cortisol. So you, you saw Rowan have that temper tantrum. That is super common in, in kids with autism. And so what's triggering that? They, um, having this overactive amygdala, they live in a constant state of stress with a brain flooded with cortisol. So what we're trying to do is reverse that, and we reverse that through movement. And I know that in neuroscience, cortisol, it's very much needed to help us deal with those flight, fight, stressful situations, but too much of it is not good and can cause damage to the brain. And so what we're trying to do with our process is, is help reverse that. So there's that fun, Thing that our brain does by rebuilding itself, neuroplasticity. And 
We, um, part of what I want to impart to you is that the solution is not totally in the brain, but rather it's the brain working with the body and the psoas muscle. So the psoas muscle really tenses up when you are triggered and you're in that fight or flight. Scott was talking about a tiger coming out after you. We talk about a rhinoceros coming through the wall. For somebody with autism, that can be bad lighting. It can be fluorescent lighting. It can be industrial noise. It can be being too cold. It can be being too hot. There are any number of things that can set them off. And what we're trying to do is relax the psoas muscle. And that's what we just did with you with the fun little song and learning. So the antidote to cortisol is that happy hormone called oxytocin. And all we are about at Smiling Goat Ranch and the Horse Boy Method is producing oxytocin. And um, there are so many ways to do this. You can do it by rocking, you can do it by running, you can do it by dancing, you can do it by jogging. And one of the greatest places to do it is from the back of a cantering horse. So I wanna show you a, a very quick clip here of I, I have a great volunteer corps. And in this particular clip, there's a group of enthusiastic teenagers and we're working with a child who's nonverbal and we're gonna do a math problem with him. And he, his mom came to us and said, he doesn't understand double digit math. So we break it down and you'll hear him say four plus three is seven plus 10. And then we'll go on to the canter. Whoops. Chris, could you? What about Einstein? Four plus equal forty, fifty, sixty, seventy. Yes! Seventeen! Yay! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen! Yay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Um, then I want to show you another quick clip, and this is a child that's too big for us to back ride in the saddle with, so we're longlining him, and uh, he is also nonverbal, and he, um, this, this particular clip went viral in our community, and you will see why. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> So that's a lot of oxytocin. Yeah. Okay, I don't have a lot of time left because there's another clip I want to get to too, but I'm quickly going to go through sensory work. And that is uh, where we use body-to-body -body contact, human to horse. We have three different positions we put people in. And you'll see that top photo. That is a veteran, and she's doing what we call the butt hug. And some veterans get up there and actually fall asleep. Anybody want to guess what our record is for how long somebody stayed asleep on the back of our horse. 
Any guesses? Hour? Somebody said an hour. Hour and a half. <laughs> Two hours. And I, I had a horse that loved it too. And it was amazing. And, and the veterans get off of the horse and they have these incredible emotional releases. Some, some are moved to tears. It's really, really powerful. So I'm gonna skip right over to, you're invited to come down and see us anytime. Give us a call. Tomorrow we have play dates starting at 9 a.m. and uh, it's gonna be a multi-family play date. On July 29th, we actually have a group of veterans coming and we're, we'll put them through sensory work and we'll ride with them. And uh, we have a table outside, so come say hi. And I want to play this clip before I have to wrap up. It's a, it, it, some testimonials from some of the veterans who've come down to work with us. never done equine therapy but it was really amazing to be able to bond uh, with the horses and uh, be able to draw a uh, our warrior symbol on them and how we uh, how we felt and so we uh, we had a really good time with the horses <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by the support that I found here uh, I came down here to the smiling goat ranch and they they put us in a big old circle and I was a little bit hesitant, reluctant uh, at first, but after we got through introductions and realized that every other person I didn't recognize was a volunteer there to help me and my, my fellow vets, it was, it was reassuring and humbling a little bit to realize that there were so many people out there willing to help us. Grassroots Community Network is now available to podcast. Enjoy all your favorite programming, whether you are making the commute to or from work, enjoying a jog through the mountains, or just hanging around the house. And don't forget that Grassroots offers over 4,000 shows on demand on our webpage, www.grassrootstv.org. Simply use the search tool in the upper right corner to locate your content. There are many ways to connect with your community. For podcasts, visit our homepage on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. All direct links, including a direct link to subscribe to our RSS feed, can be found under the search bar on our homepage. And remember, you are Grassroots Community Network. Please consider contributing by visiting our website at www.grassrootstv.org or by calling us at 970-925-8000. Thank you.